Well, there's Ralph. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Ralph. You don't meet many Ralphs anymore. Yeah, it's an old name. When I was in the army, there's a one of the other guys that um, I was good buddies with. His name was Harry. Another weird Hi. name you don't hear too often. Yeah. Harry's Harry's making a comeback. I have some friends who've named their their son Harry. I feel like you don't hear a lot of Deborahs either. It's not I know three Deborahs. It's a weird flex. Oh, here we go again. (laughs) Weird flex. And I'm out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ursula is another name that you. Ursula is my grandmother's name. That just sounds like a strong German woman's name. Uh, Ursula. Isn't that the Little Mermaid villain? She was the bad bad witch in Little Mermaid. That's right. Okay, so today is uh, 11 11 2020. I know. Mm I know. So Jason and Jackie and I are very good friends. And at 11.11, try to every day, like, 11.11, it's 11.11. So today at 11.11, it blew our minds just a little bit. It was special. So it was 11.11.11? It was 11.11.11.11. You have one more more chance. Yeah. All the clocks in my house are set to 11.11. I like all the... Yeah. Today goes it's to eleven. To, if you can set it, it's it's eleven eleven, and then eleven o'clock would be eleven, and then you could do eleven 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 mm-hmm. eleven. Could you do four elevens today? So eleven eleven, the time today. I don't think you can do four. You only do hmm. two. Can we talk about that in the news? <laughs> We're already live. The second. Is 11 11. Oh, the 11. second. Yeah. Oh, 11 seconds. Oh, seconds. That's right. I forgot. Seconds. Shut up. Are we really live, right? Yes. Man. On YouTube, we are live. This is, this is the 11 11 11 episode. So immediately, whenever I log into Twitter, apparently Dave Kennedy is in amazingly good shape. Yeah. And yeah. Britney Spears. Yeah. What do you say about Britney Spears? She lost her quarter peel to remove her father as the conservator for her. Uh, That's a shame. Life. Free Britney. <laughs> Free Britney. Free Britney. <laughs> uh, remember when she shaved her head? Oh. Wow. Our girl. Well, you just really That's boiled cool. her entire lifetime. Yeah. Right. Cool. One, one, one moment. She shaved her head. <laughs> she was a new mom and i was like oh i see i get that <laughs> my my wife was saying that it's really hard to get those kind of conservative ships and uh it's really rare for something like that to happen actually um so uh i don't know uh, it seems as if she's possibly being used as so much of a of a cash cow and my my wife she's a mental health counselor by the way so uh, she knows that's, that. where the, that's where the, yeah this is okay sorry sorry no, let me put this into like just like not my wife who just happens to be talking about no, no, no. dude it's fine i spent way more time thinking about this than i should so carry on <laughs> anyways I, I guess she was saying that uh like the argument against would be that if she can do these shows like if she has that kind of capacity uh on her own free will then you know that's where like the the level comes out of like him being in control of that so um mm. 
So yeah. that's an argument for her to remain under his control. No, or- no, to, to re- be removed, right? If she can, if she can do these shows, right, and and not have like episodes, then he's not actually providing any real conservative ship. Like she, he's not providing. That. Then how the hell haven't they removed it? Or is it just the fact that he controls the millions of dollars and that's the uh, way? Uh, yes, yes, I, that could be it, right? Uh, especially when it comes to like funding this, right? Because like she doesn't have any control, like she can't really go hire a lawyer with her own money to do this, right? So it, it's kind of so wild. Yeah, so bad. Mm-hmm. You know it's garbage. So free Britney, free Britney, free Britney, free Britney. All right, well, that was a great show, everybody. That was good. <laughs> That's what they were waiting for. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. No. It's a new. All right, everybody. I think that this is all we have for the show today, and we a short one. We appreciate you all coming, and we're done. Um, whose idea was it to do this? Anyway, um, I blame Jason. Um, so I want to start with this news story here today. Um, and I, I don't know quite how I feel about this. There's a bunch of weird things going on um, in this. But it talks about how Zscaler has been watching the amount of attacks that have been using uh, TLS SSL. So for those of you that don't know, TLS is the way your web browser transmits data with websites encrypted so people can't see what's actually there. And if the attackers are using this encryption, then it makes it harder for people to actually see the attacks. So what's the question? So like when I go to a website and it says this is an unsecure site, does that mean it's not using a TLS? TLS. Well, it can mean one of two things. Either the website, your browser is set up that if it's sent unencrypted, it lets you know. Or it could also have an invalid certificate, uh, which means that they just haven't paid their bills for their for their encryption certificates. Is, is what that means. Um, but the reason why this or this article kind of like hit me as weird is it started out by talking about how attackers are using um, like legitimate encrypted services, things like Dropbox and Box.com, Google, AWS, to actually deliver their malware. Which, Ralph, as you know, this is this is bread and butter. This is what we do, right? This is what we do all the time. That doesn't surprise me. But down at the bottom, uh, the president of Zscaler basically said that the problem is encryption. Um, how encryption is the issue, and there's lurking dangers of encryption in your environment. And that kind of makes my skin crawl. Ralph, I don't know what you think about that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, blaming encryption for not being able to catch. If we could just get rid of encryption, we'd be able to catch all the bad guys, right? That's um, it. Then they couldn't They couldn't encrypt within the unencrypted data because that'd be encrypting inside of unencrypted, and we all know that that's not possible. Literally impossible. Yep, and, and I think it gets to a bigger issue of privacy. I mean, aside from just tech geek nerd stuff, this encryption thing can be used to protect us, but it can also be used to attack us. And there's been numerous pushes over the years by governments to basically try to get the keys to encryption uh, so that they can decrypt anything, of course, for law and law enforcement purposes. And I'd like to get like, like Jason and Deb and Ryan, kind of what your thoughts are. Like, do you want a government that can decrypt everything to catch bad people? Or do you kind of like having some privacy whenever you're going through Instagram? Uh, I remember that. So we got Darren jumping in. 
I, I remember when they talked about like if there's a back who's got the I think Darren Darren has his microphone and his speakers on at the same time. Darren, that's a rookie I'm move. Him. All right, there we go. I muted him. Yeah, uh, thank you. Okay. So there's that whole thing of like, if there's a back door, then then that's okay. But if there's a back door, then anyone can access the back door. So any back door is bad. Like, not just the good people can access the back door, but the bad people can access the back door. So who's good? Like, it goes back to that who's good? Is the government good? Is who's good? Are the people who run it good? Like, who's good? Yeah. And who can actually, who can actually tell that? One of the things I always kind of closed out. Uh, SANS conferences for the long t- longest time is if we start handing that level of control over to the government, and I'm not necessarily talking about the government now, even though there's a bunch of idiots that are walking around saying civil war seems like a good idea right now. Um, once again, moron. But, you know, I worry about any government that gets that level of control, not necessarily for today's political climate as terrifying as it is, but if you flash forward about 15, 20, 30, 40 years, you don't know what type of government you're going to get in. You don't know what they're going to do with that. And I think that that level of control is just ultimately dangerous. And I think it's problematic when people that are quote unquote experts in the industry start saying, well, the problem is it's a lurking danger of encryption in your network because CSOs are going to see this and be like, they're going to call up security people and say, hey, we need to get rid of this encryption because it's bad. <laughs> we're, we're just on the first level too of encryption, right? So you can encrypt most of the encryption that we do nowadays is all in transit as opposed to at rest. Okay. So a lot of the sites you're visiting, you're encrypting the data between you and the other side, right? But that data on the other side, when it gets there, it's living most of the times in an unencrypted format. So, you know, when you're using the Dropbox and all the other stuff, and it's wild. I mean, we're, we're just starting to move to that second phase where um, in the unencrypted our chat applications or whatever, they're encrypting that between both devices. So literally no one in the middle can, can see that. Um, and we're just starting to make that slow movement uh, over as far as encryption goes, too. So, um, you know, if they think it's bad now, wait till that happens. Right. So now all the evidence is encrypted in a way that uh, it, you're not going to be able to just pull it off a system and read. it. So but it also gets into other freedom questions like we've all heard the horror stories at hacker conferences where someone says the TSA made me log into and unlock my computer. I, 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 that's never happened to me. And I'm not questioning whether or not that has happened to people, but that's a terrifying thing. I mean, we do have that, you know, that, what do they call it? The, uh, um, fifth amendment against self-incrimination and the idea of trying to force somebody to basically decrypt their data is, is, is somewhat horrified. Right? So I see that so, Derek showed up too. Yeah. yeah go ahead. One, of, one of my favorite moments, like being in the information security community was I got a chance to teach uh, Girl Scouts uh, the Caesar cipher. And I got to teach them like, you know, encryption and like the basics of encryption. And what happened is like these Girl Scouts were like, this is amazing. Like all of a sudden we can start encoding. We got codes. And the parents who were just nearby were like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you you teaching my daughter? Yeah. So the kids never be able to read this. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, so if I ship this and I got like a, you know, a Caesar Cypher seven, and then if I know my other person has, it's, you know, off by seven. And so they, they were excited about that, but parents did not. And so that reminds me of the government. government. You know, <laughs> it, it, you should have taught them Nushu. Nushu was actually a secret form of encrypted communication in women in ancient China. 
Um, so then you can really kick it up a few notches. Oh, one-time pad. There you yep. go. Yep. That, that would really, that'd be the end game right there. <laughs> <laughs> what are the Girl Scouts doing? No one knows. No one knows. <laughs> we can't read their messages. Yeah. I had a, I had a group of kids that were over for a school group at our house and I was teaching the kids how to pick locks um, because I had a bunch of lock picks and my kids were picking locks and they're like, can you teach your friends how to pick locks? I'm like, sure. And I'm sitting here teaching all these kids to pick locks and, and parents came in and they're like, what do, what do you, what do you, what are you teaching our kids? I'm like crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. crime pays you know teaching my youngest to pick locks and then i realized this is probably a terrible idea <laughs> yeah. this, will, this yeah. will end poorly for everyone involved yeah. um so so no I, I think that this this whole entire this issue isn't resolved right i mean we're going to continue to fight this this balance between privacy and security and honestly it, it's weird how Historically, we have people that demand privacy and then the same people demand security. Uh, one of the examples, if you remember, um, we had, a, we had a, a shooting that was in California a long time ago. And uh, the, uh, the shooters were communicating with each other over Facebook. And everybody was like, how come Facebook and how come we aren't watching the communications? And just like the week before the news was, Edward Snowden talks about how the United States is intercepting all these communications. And people are like, well, the outrage, how dare they intercept my communication? <laughs> It, it, you can't have both books. Yeah, uh, you're going to have a certain level of risk that you have to accept. The same There's already law, been know. a lot of proposed laws and stuff about backdoor stuff for governments, but the yeah. argument there was always, well, once it exists, it goes back to that, uh, like, i got to switch and talk at the same time. It goes back to where you can't unpee in the pool. So once you yeah, create yeah. a backdoor, there's a backdoor. And if somebody uh, so, so, gets a hold of that tomorrow, who shouldn't get a hold of that... Let's say tomorrow, because, I, you know, Apple was the one that were, you know, during one of the shootings or maybe even more than one where they refused to uh, to to break the break into the phone for the FBI. Yeah. And uh, so let's just say, uh, John, Ralph, uh, what do you think? Let's say tomorrow that Apple said, OK, we're going to create a backdoor for the government to get in the phone. What do you think the uh, time frame would be until some hacker somewhere actually found out what they did and uh, let it go public? Oh, yeah. 37 and a half hours. Three, 37 three days. <laughs> 37 and a half hours, yeah. Is this, is this like the price is right? Like <laughs> one, one dollar. Can't go one, over. Hour. one dollar. Yeah. One dollar. What is it? what is it? Apple exploits are going down in price. Speaking of that, because of how valuable they were that everyone shifted all of their focus to that. And they've come up with so many that the prices had to drop down. Uh, you know, this according to, or was erodium or whoever else is paying, you know, but, but that's how it goes, right? Like you, you look at, like, we go back to Adobe, um, Adobe had a bunch of vulnerabilities. And if you remember, it was like this tight cluster of a ton of different Adobe Acrobat vulnerabilities. Um, from like U3D, flat AD code, all those different things um, that were inside of PDFs. And then we had Java vulnerabilities and everyone was like, Java's secure. You know, we, we don't have to worry about security issues in Java. And for years, people believe that. But it seems like it's just like, where does the pen test, like reverse engineering and exploit dev community focus? And then yeah. they hear about a new vulnerability in something and they all pivot to that thing. Mm-hmm. for a certain period of time. So I think that that makes sense. Like once you have those vulnerabilities, everyone starts focusing on those vulnerabilities. Well, I feel like, you know, that's almost like there's going to be no vaccine for anything but the coronavirus. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone to stop. Yeah. <laughs> like if you had anything besides the coronavirus, you were just <laughs> dead. That's it. <laughs> You're right. All the facilities are just be yeah. pumping that out. You know? What do you mean I'm gonna die of dysentery? What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> Sorry, dude, if you had the Rona, you'd be <laughs> we'd have you. That's you covered. Yeah. What kind of parties are you hanging out at? <laughs> 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 all right. So the next story, um, this isn't new. We, we see this happen all the time. Uh, millions of hotel guests uh, worldwide information is caught up in a data leak. Now, before I actually scroll down and basically reveal how millions of hotel guests worldwide caught up in a mass data leak. Mm. So how do you all think that this data was leaked? Like, how, how do you think that this 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 tremendous, I think it's like 37 gigs of data was leaked online? If you had S3 to get bucket, S3 bucket. Oh, my God. Nailed it in one. Um, <laughs> I so was going to yeah. say an open Wi-Fi port. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> run and say the same thing before, Ralph. I had not. <laughs> <laughs> so I did not read this article. That was literally a guess. That's interesting, right? Because, I mean, I don't know the situation, right? But if you set up an S3 bucket now, is, don't you have to go through quite a few clicks yeah. to actually screw it up? Yeah, well, default is one, that it's, you know. This one was screwed up for a while, apparently. But I still thought that, like, so I have intentionally screwed up S3 buckets. And Amazon sends me, like, an email a day. And it's like, hey, uh, you got a bad S3 bucket. And then it comes in sometimes and it says, just so you know, We've locked your account out because you're dumb. Um, you're going to have to log in and actually enable this insecurity to, to make this happen. So it, it, I think you're right. It, it almost appears that somebody intentionally logged in, went through all the warnings and clicked, no, I'm a moron, and allowed it to run. So. It, this just runs down right to it needs to work. And that's how we're going to get it to work. So instead of figuring out what the problem was, they kept being like, well, I'll just keep turning off stuff. Oh, now it's working. Perfect. So wait, um, is, is this the new vendor you need to be DA for this part product to run kind of thing? You know, for, for our app to run to... Uh, uh, this is the new, yeah, this is the new local administrator problem mm. where it's like, oh, well, in order to run this particular app, you have to have completely insecure S3 buckets for it to run. Why? Because mm. the developers would, it, would just think it would make it easier. Hey, Rob, uh, we're talking about insecure S3 buckets still being a thing. And maybe, you know, I'm pretty sure that if you have an S3 bucket that's open, you get a few emails and then they actually lock it out completely. You have to log in and then like unsecure it. And they go through tons of warnings to make that happen. At least that's what I thought it was the last time I went and tried to deal with my S3 buckets. Online. Yeah. So by default nowadays, uh, it's definitely a default closed um, unless you open it up. And yes, uh, there are a bunch of checkboxes and other things. However, on the API, all you have to do is accept warnings and it creates the open public S3 bucket. So it's it's not a ton that you have to go through to make that happen. So let yeah. me ask a question. Let, let's just assume that you were a legacy customer that, you know, back when you would set it up and you had to click buttons to make it secure. Like what would happen if, if it was insecure for just that long? Would, would Amazon be sending you emails going, hey, this thing is insecure? I'm going to see if I can find an email here real no. quick. So go ahead and answer that. <laughs> well, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I know you can just... So by the way, just for context, there is legitimate reasons to make a public S3 bucket. 
So, but, you know, before we think about like this just being like some closed off item, that there are literal good, Absolutely. you know, I, situations, right? I, but you know, the, the problem is, is that obviously they're not applying that, right? They're just you know yeah. using some app and making it open. Right? Yeah, I, I actually did a mobile app test here recently where there was a public S three bucket and they were storing some stuff that and, and, and with GUIDs and um, it wasn't personal information; it was just like you know images from the app and you know i thought it was kind of a risk maybe but you know when uh, if you're going to randomly guess uh, a, a uuid i think uh, it would take you until the heat death of the universe to do it but um, <laughs> yeah. uh, i did actually put the calc i can't remember what it is off the top of my head i looked up the math to how long it would take for me to like you know just go through like brute force all of them and it wasn't wasn't doable but i you're, you're right like there are times when a developer you know when it's appropriate that you could do it yeah, you can, host, you can host your own website completely out of S3. Yeah, uh, and make it so that you don't care about DDoS or hacking it at all ever. Um, one of the one of the scare. I don't know um, the because I came in late. I don't know the news story on this, but um, one of the scarier pieces is the. Um, and I think Chris Gates has talked about this pretty uh, openly as well. Is the setting in s3 where you can say authenticated users are allowed to this s3 bucket and that just means anyone with a amazon account not, <laughs> inside, not, not inside your organization and a lot of organizations have set their s3 buckets to that um mm -hmm. so c thinking that it's just their organization that has access to it and uh i know there's a couple defcon talks on this where people have authenticated to amazon and then did S did S three scanning and found a bunch of stuff too. I did so, not know that. That's going to change my scanning. I think. So, yeah. my question to you all is: Is this incompetence? Is this neglect? Is this a lack of project management? Like, what is the thing that causes this kind of issue? Yes. Yes, all of that. Yeah, all of that. That like that causes an S three bucket to be open, to be unsecure, to be. So I would, I think when I was joking about the, uh, you know, the new local administrator or domain administrator to run the app thing, I, I really wasn't joking. I, I, you know, I, I no, administrator yeah. years ago, you know, like in a different lifetime. And I remember reading, you know, a vendor saying you need to make the service account a domain administrator and me thinking the hell I do. <laughs> no, but that was the reason they do that is because it cuts down on their support. And then, you know, you have some overworked systems administrator who has pressure from operations and their supervisor to get something done. So he's basically like, screw it. I'm going to do this. And is it neglect? No, it's keep getting your job done. If, if we said it. But if you're looking at it, it may not be, you know, keeping your job done for a job for like that individual. But I think if you abstract it to the organization, it is neglect, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they yeah. may be forcing that administrator to do that. But, you know, eventually there has to be some responsibility for the organizations that that are doing these types of things. If, if we also step back to and look at what S3 buckets are used for, a lot of applications are utilizing S3 to store data programmatically. So it not necessarily somebody I mean, that wrote the application, you could be buying this from a third party and needing this S3 bucket to store data. You didn't write this, but when you configured it, you just turned it on to public and didn't realize, you know? And so there's a lot of that going on too, I think more than just somebody necessarily going there, set it up. And in those processes, there could be infrastructure as code that adds that S3 bucket, but configures it wrong as well. So it's not maybe oh. always a human. 
but that also that also gets to some of the other vulnerabilities that we've discovered uh, specifically Jordan had found in like some hue interfaces where whenever you configure your Amazon services, you may configure it secure, but then when it starts scaling mm-hmm. and it starts bringing up additional services to handle the additional load, it doesn't necessarily pull the security configuration settings as it scales up. So when you're testing, it's not just an issue of testing it when it's not in production, but you need to test it when it's under a load too, because as you scale up the different services, then those insecurities can actually pop up and then disappear as those services start scaling back down. So it is kind of a complicated little problem that you're dealing with when you're trying to test it. So to answer your question, um, Jason, the it's it's super hard um, to not mess this up, right? Um, so what organizations need to do is have a constant monitoring of public uh, of public S3 buckets and have alerting on that um, through uh, CloudWatch or other alerting um, setups. That way, they can get the security team can get a message anytime there's a new public um, S3 bucket under their organization. It Thanks. almost sounds like that you're saying that organizations need to realize that their cloud infrastructure is just as important as their internal infrastructure, and they should have an inventory of those kinds of things. Uh, they they know that. That's There's yeah. no organization that doesn't know that cloud is just as important as that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. There might be a couple. I think some of some tests I've been on with uh, what I found in Azure would, you know, imply a different I, they they might not they might not treat it as an important but they know it is important but i i would i would agree with both of you it's, and i hate to be like the parent you're both right um, <laughs> but you're both right in the respect that if you sat down and you said your cloud infrastructure is important they're going to be like yeah mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. where's you. your cloud infrastructure it's like oh okay uh it's amazon right you know yeah. I, I think that there's a difference between understanding that you know this is an important thing but then also grokking and getting your head around all the different components the accesses the api access the unauthenticated versus authenticated access and all those different vulnerabilities exist and i really don't blame organizations that have a lot of cloud security vulnerabilities this one aside uh, but a lot of organizations, whenever we find these security vulnerabilities, they're like, I didn't even know that was a thing. And sometimes we're surprised it's a thing. Like you remember a test that Mike and Bo was on uh, last year or two years ago, where if you got valid credentials to Azure, you could just start spawning off additional user accounts without actually being an administrator. You could just start adding stuff to it. That's weird, right? So I think that everyone understands, look, this is important, but I don't think that they quite understand. I don't think hardly anybody in the industry uh, really understands the extent of what that actually means because everything's changing constantly. You get you get one of these cloud accounts and you get 5,000 services and only three of them do you use, but you can <laughs> turn all those things on, but you're not an expert at all those services. So no. I mean, it's difficult to say I secured all those. Or, but or as an administrator, you, you tend just to turn all that crap on. You're like, I don't want crap to break. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> also, um, I hate to get on this topic, but it's 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 apropos. But uh, the the problem also is that um, there's 500 tools to find random S3 buckets that are open on on the internet. I, when I worked at a previous company, spent a lot of time trying to find open source tools that would say, give me an API key and then tell me 
what S3 buckets are available that are public. I had to write it myself. So mm -hmm. like there's very little defensive tooling <laughs> when it comes to uh, cloud-based infrastructure out there for enterprises to use to to get better at this they have to they mostly rely on experts to inside their organization and experts are hard to come by i thought the cloud was secure already <laughs> by default it's in well, there and you see some vendors like microsoft is trying right like i can't remember what it is it's, it's something that they're rolling out now to customers that is like a kind of like mbsa uh, Microsoft Security Baseline uh, Analyzer for cloud, where you can go into your Azure infrastructure, it'll test all your security settings and say, hey, these are best practices, these aren't. It's it's like beta, maybe it's out of it now, but it was beta a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's just now hitting. I mean, it, it's not like, you know, Microsoft hasn't been doing the cloud for a couple of years now, but just now they're starting to release that type of defensive tooling that you're talking about, Rob. Yeah, it's while I am an offense guy, it's really unfortunate that um, there are a lack of public sharing of defensive tools, um, yeah. even even getting, you know, baselines ready. Yeah. Well, that's because those are called security software companies that sell X, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's regrettably to that's your point. That's a great right? way of thinking about it. I hadn't <laughs> even thought about that, that angle on it. <laughs> you know what's that, horrible that, about that, though, Rob? is a lot of these vendors that are releasing these tools that uh, supposedly go through and audit your cloud infrastructure on the fly. Like we do a lot of tests. It doesn't seem to get in the way. It's almost like, you know, whenever you're talking about what you're looking for and what you're trying to do, there should have been a freaking vendor that was doing that. But it's almost like they're occupying two separate rooms, the offensive and the defensive community. And like the defensive stuff that they're trying to put in place doesn't actually correlate to what offensive people are actually doing. Yeah, but that's that's two different horses running the different races. Like that's that is really hard to sync up. Yeah. Um you have to have someone who's an expert in both at, or you know to be able to even get there and like getting experts in one is still a diamond, you know, yeah. a diamond in the rough. Like getting yeah. one in both is is hard. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. It absolutely is. But that's the way it is with anything as far as a new technology uh, that's coming out. You're always going to have that disparity between what the two rooms are actually doing. Yeah. And the forensics people haven't even really started showing up to the party yet. So they'll be here. Hide <laughs> <laughs> the beer. Can I, can I offer up a, top, a topic that I'd love input on? Sure. Or are we still doing news? No, 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 please. Topics are good. So um, I have been thinking about this for a long time and I'm trying to figure out um there's so in if you're a lawyer um or if if you want to become a lawyer you have to go to uh you are required by law in almost every state to go to law school and pass the bar mm -hmm. to become a doctor you have to go to uh medical school and uh pass some kind of other test i forget what it's called um and you have residencies these are critical um, life-changing jobs in the U.S., right? Like mm -hmm. you can screw with someone's life and livelihood if you mess it up, if you are not good at being a lawyer or not good at being a doctor, right? Um, do you think that we are getting to the point in cybersecurity where we need to start saying that 
at some level, I wouldn't say entry level because that's kind of like paralegals or or um, nurses and stuff. Uh, I'm not saying nurses are low value or paralegals are low value, just to say. Um, but I'm, I am saying that they aren't through their um, doctorate or their uh, law degree. Yep. But dude, even so, nurses have to go through testing though too, sure, sure, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I was just clarifying that I didn't get hate mail saying that um, <laughs> we get hate down mail? on. Um, so you have to have a license to be an electrician or a plumber or right. a, 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 a hair. But but licenses they're can more be like certs. But licenses can be like certificates or like certs and OSCE and stuff like that. Um, what I'm saying is, what do you guys think? What do you all think? Everyone on the call on if it's possible one. And do you think it's likely to, and do you think it's a good idea to make a certain level of security, like a CISO or a director level, be required to go through some sort of schooling to have the responsibility and and um, ultimately liability of of security? Because it's getting to the point where it is affecting people's lives in negative ways these days. Well, the DOD already kind of does this, right? Eighty-five, seventy. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, a certificate I, level, but well, so. but but still, I mean, it's not trivial to you know to get some like one of the some of the higher level certs, right? Like, I mean, it's not. I, sure. I mean, anybody can do it for sure. It's not passing the bar exam or going to medical school, right? But I would argue that it doesn't really have to be. Um, really, I think. Well, no. I mean, I I don't feel like I'm as smart as a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> like I, really, I feel like I was smarter. Maybe I would have done that. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> but but you, I think you are as smart as someone in your field as someone in their field. I do. Oh, well, um, thanks. That's nice. So, um, <laughs> what I'm saying is, I I do personally. I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking that this is something that we need to put in place where the liability of security and that because right now the worst that can happen is if you're a CISO, you get the golden parachute, right? There has to be some, <laughs> that's brutal. right? That's, that's almost the worst that, that can happen. Is, but... yeah. Right. So... I think that we need to put start starting to put liability into security so that people take it seriously. Cause I, I think that people take it seriously abstractly but don't take it seriously personally. Like, I don't worry that if I do security badly, I'm going to go to jail. So there's, I, I think the, you know, the analogy holds whenever you're talking about the level of risk that an individual kind of takes on. You know, we joke about being pen testers, but every one of us is worried every time we do a test, or sorry, anytime you all do a test, <laughs> um, I worry uh, about uh, uh, a network going down right? Uh, Service crashing, right? We're constantly in fear of that. But if we look at these two things, right? If we look at the examples, let's take medical as an example. Let's look at engineering, structural engineering as an example. If you look at a lot of these different fields, and nursing would apply too, the concept of a common body of knowledge is easier than it is in computer security. Not that it's that a human body is less complicated than IT infrastructures, but it is a known and quantified quantity. So like whenever you're learning about a human body, that's not going to change three years from now. 
The drugs may change, but even they change so incredibly slow because of all the different things that they have to go through that you can be a doctor and you can be certified in what a doctor should know. And what a doctor should know now and five years ago is pretty close to the same thing because you're working on the same specimen. Engineering, structural engineering, same thing. A lot of those formulas, a lot of those designs, a lot of the materials themselves stay consistent. Now you apply that to IT engineering, and I think it, it, it's it's a bigger thing than just security, right? If you look at IT engineering, what we have now versus five years ago versus ten years ago is things are evolving so quickly that it becomes very very difficult to actually create a certification and say this is what a pen tester should know or this is what a CISSP should know. Because I gotta it's- push back a little bit because well, like we're we're still we're still. Um, putting the same find like the reason why there's a findings database is that we're still putting the same findings in that database, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I think that there is to use your analogy. Yes, we're still like computers are still a a body that changes and it changes person to person and organization to organization. Um, but I don't think that. Like Windows is still Windows. It may get better and evolve a little faster than a body would, but like mm-hmm. it's general like the same problems with Windows has been the same problems with Windows forever. Right. But Windows like, but Windows is not cloud computing. And so, AWS sure. today is not what it was even three months ago. So and we that's need not what I'm we, talking about there. Right. So we need different types of doctors, right? So someone who's a virologist is very different than someone who's a vet. Yeah, but a doctor, like you can have a doctor that becomes an eye doctor or, you know, sorry, you can have a doctor that can specialize, right? Mm -hmm. But whenever you're talking about not eye doctors, because that's their own specialty, when you're talking about a specific doctor, like if I move on and I deal with oncology or I deal deal with a number of different things, I have to get a base medical degree and I have to pass my boards first and then i can specialize and in that i would agree with you because i think core concepts like tcpip core concepts like Mm -hmm. you said operating systems architectures i think that a lot of people don't even have those fundamentals and i would agree with something saying hey you've got to be able to understand the tcpip three-way handshake at a minimum if you're going to criticize those who aren't going to be that technically adept, it's sort of a different skill set, especially in larger, larger organizations, right? And I'm not sure you want all your technical people being CISOs, and I'm not really sure that it's a good idea to hold people personally responsible because there's a lot of nuance. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen, right? And just because something happened, what if that CISO was overruled by the CEO? I mean, what, I mean, I I guess, you know, to some degree, like, you know, if it could be proved someone, someone was negligent, then that company could be held responsible. But I I don't know about personally holding people responsible because I I, I organizations where I made recommendations and was told, I, you know, we couldn't do that. And then, I got to say, I told you so. Yeah. So I got two things. One, CISO? Really? You say it's CISO? CISO? It's kind of like SIM and SIM. Yeah. Uh, And and second is, Rob, I think a lot more people would adopt this if there was some kind of grandfather clause clause where the people who are already doing it don't have to go get the board certified. (laughs) And then all the new people would be like, oh, man, I got to get board certified. I wish I was old. Yeah. (laughs) 
think that comes down just for two questions in my mind, uh, kind of past uh, the initial things about you know like what we would do, but uh, how it would look, right? So like right now we have universities and stuff for doctorate and kind of like these established uh, uh, knowledge um, certification bodies, but we really don't have that right now for our industry. We have certifications, but we don't have like a, like a central respected unifying body to say that you are a this does that make sense yep. um it, it is kind of like we would be and i say we the industry at large would have to create that and agree upon it um you know and i think getting the momentum is the hardest part in that process well, and, I, and i and i think that momentum's difficult because a lot of the organizations that could actually do that um you know they're trying to make a profit um you know years i've been with the sands institute i love sands i love sands instructors but it's difficult to actually create a unifying body Whenever you have someone like SANS or CEH or Crest who are trying to make money and be that unifying body, not as an inclusion, like, like, like an inclusive organization, but one that's actively trying to say, no, we're determining what a security mm. professional needs to have. And no one else can say what that. So, but for devil's advocate, is that how the bar and how medical licenses came about? I would imagine that there's probably some kind of legislature, some kind of requirement from the government because something bad happened at some point. I mean, I don't know how it came about, but that would be my guess is that, you know, to to, to kind of combat malpractice, like, oh, you can't just decide tomorrow I'm going to be a lawyer. I actually have to go get trained. You could. You actually could before 1870. You could decide (laughs) that you were a lawyer before 1870. That's when the law came about. Whatever. Even now, you can say you're a lawyer. That's fine. Passing the bar only means that you can defend or represent somebody in front of a judge in a court of law. Um, You can do wills. You can do anything that a lawyer does without a law degree. Um, but as soon as you step foot foot into that court, you absolutely have to pass the bar at that point. From this day forward, I am a lawyer. <laughs> so I'm actually I'm now that this topic has come up, uh, I'm really going to start digging into how law school and medical school came to be. Like mm-hmm. it didn't just out, it didn't just come out, out of nowhere, right? Check out structural engineering. Um, I know that my wife, whenever she actually got her degree, she was given a ring. And that ring represented uh, a bridge somewhere. I can't remember the exact story, but the engineer screwed up that much and it killed people. And it was basically there as a reminder to engineers that you've got to be on your game and they have to go through like, like, like an apprenticeship uh, period before you can actually become a full PE. You've got testing, you've got all that. So that'd be another one to look at as well. Yeah, sort of, sort of my point with that was is if something really bad were to happen, and or maybe a series of bad things to happen, then the government would step in and force that kind of thing. Maybe I mean, and that be scares the hell out of me. Oh yeah, me that, too. Yeah, that just scares the living hell out of me. Um, if the government comes in and says, "All right, we're going to take care of this problem," uh, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna install back doors, and then yeah. they're going to have a bar. Exactly. <laughs> and that's yeah. one of the reasons, boys and girls, why if you're here listening to us, don't screw up uh, because if we screw up. That's who's going to come and tell us how to do our jobs. <laughs> they won't let Girl Scouts have encryption. That's what they won't let Girl Scouts have. <laughs> Jason's going to be a criminal. Um, I like how people are coming into this late and they're like, what, what is this about Girl Scouts? Yeah, it, I, I really like the talks of, uh, you know, uh, of criminalizing encryption because making math illegal sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. 
we they, did it for a long time. Oh, in the US. I'm aware. Exactly. I'm aware. With AES, they had the entire AES algorithm, and you could wear it outside of the country, and that would technically be a crime. You would be violating export controls. <laughs> yeah, that's a big Supreme Court. Um, I listened to a whole podcast about it. Oh, cool. So I know right. Hack 5 has been really, really sensitive about those rules um, for the um, products that we we develop, too. For who? Hack 5. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, right? Because you guys are shipping all over the world. Yeah. And there's some countries that um, we have a hard time shipping to um, and are not allowed to because of the type of product it is and, and have to jump through hoops and resellers just to um, to make that happen if it's possible, right? And that's why we sell T-shirts and card games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming, everyone. Um, really appreciate it. Hope people enjoyed the presentation. And let's not do the chittering chipmunks in the end. Let's just kind of gracefully end this. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. so much better. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. How about a uh, Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, everybody. All right, kill it. Ryan, kill it with fire. It is dead. It is dead.